Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 67. And then one couple came to the dance floor, a man and a, and a woman. They were married as well. And they were so beautiful when, you, when you're watching them dance. It was like they did their wedding dance or something. Mm. So I immediately fell in love with this. And I, I, I was like bumping into Monica like, I want to do this. I want to meet my future husband. And do- <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually my main goal in the beginning. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast coming at you with yet another weekly episode here. And today we have a very special guest on the line. Her name is Danielle from the Netherlands slash Amsterdam. You're going to have to explain to me the relationship between the Netherlands and Amsterdam um, <laughs> and Holland and all that kind of stuff because I get mixed up with where it is geographically or like what's bigger than the other. But um, thank you so much for being with us today. How are you doing? Yes, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. My friend you, so I'm very excited. And yeah, I'm doing good considering everything that's going on in the yes. world. <laughs> yeah, today is June 4th and it's definitely been a very interesting first half of 2020. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Hopefully things start to kind of shift around. We'll see. It's been crazy. Exactly. But it's necessary. So we need to make changes for sure. Definitely. So, Danielle, can you give us a a geography lesson? Amsterdam in relationship to the Netherlands in relationship to Holland. Yeah. Well, um, Amsterdam is the capital of Holland. Well, the Netherlands. I think some people don't like it, actually, um, when people call it Holland. Because that's just, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a part of, of the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. But I don't so, know. I use, so Amsterdam I use is Holland. a city, as like Rotterdam, yeah? Yeah. So if you if you see the picture of the Netherlands, you have the north of the Netherlands, where I live. Mm-hmm. And then you have the east, kind of, that's Amsterdam. Below that is Rotterdam. And then you have a lot of other cities and um, provincies, that's what we call them. 
like areas in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, so I live one and a half hours away from Amsterdam. So, well, actually what, what we have here is cows and farms. <laughs> <laughs> not that big of a population actually it's very peaceful over here so i love it as especially when i come back from like um crowded festivals and mm. the busy life you know then it's very nice to come back and just relax and chill but amsterdam is kind of the the place to be if you want to visit holland i got you there is Everything happens there. We have so many um, history going on over there. So many things to see. It's still for myself when I go there, especially when I was younger, it was just like a vacation because it doesn't look at all uh, like the place where I live. Hmm. So mixed with so many different cultures. And yeah, I don't know. Every time I come there, it feels like exciting it's it's exciting to go there i don't know i haven't gotten used to it still but i am there every week but <laughs> i'm nice. still um whenever i go there yeah i don't know it's still on my list to go visit amsterdam and dance there and explore and stuff like that oh you should you should yes and normally it's it's, it's not like a vacation country because well n- normally in before Corona, let me put it uh-huh. like that. <laughs> we don't see sun so much. Mm. And weather is not fantastic, but last couple of years, the summers has been very nice and warm. It's not comparable to when whatever is going on in Texas, but <laughs> here it's nice. Um, but since Corona, like from day one, actually the sun has been out every day. And now it's raining for kind mm. of the first since long. So now it's getting back to normal Dutch weather. I got you. Yeah, you should you should visit just for the the things that you can see here and and do the activities. It's really awesome. Definitely. So hopefully, when the festival starts and the international borders open up again, uh, Amsterdam is definitely going to be on the list for sure. Yes, yes. We have amazing festivals here in, in actually whole, the whole Netherlands. It's not only Amsterdam that has the, the best festivals, but I don't know the level here in Holland. I'm so spoiled because the level here is so good. I'm so blessed to live here as a dancer and that I have the, the opportunities to, to learn. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for everyone who to dance, you should come to to Amsterdam or Rotterdam. <laughs> nice. Does that translate to like the Brazilian zouk and salsa and bachata dance scenes as well? Yeah, I think so. Brazilian zouk for sure, but I haven't gotten into that because I just wanted to focus on one thing first. Mm-hmm. But we do have so many great teachers here. Um, Pasti and uh, Hilda, for mm-hmm. example, those are my favorite um, Zouk dancers. So yeah, I think I think the level and the, the scenes here are very good, especially salsa, bachata as well. So mm-hmm. 
Nice. Yeah, I I know, like Montreal is like a hot spot, but they have strong dance scenes for like salsa. And I think the community just supports the arts overall. And it really helps like all the dance scenes kind of like thrive a little bit. So it sounds like that's a little bit of what's happening there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Especially uh, when you go to the middle of the Netherlands and the South there, there it's like booming compared to where I live here. Mm. You don't have absolutely nothing, <laughs> I got so you. but I don't mind to drive. So for me, it's fine. Nice. That's cool. And I also know like, as far as kids wise, like, uh, Nelson Freitas and Johnny Ramos and these guys are, in uh, Rotterdam and Amsterdam as well. So these are like the godfathers of Ghetto Zook. So I'm pretty sure that had a strong influence on Kizomba and music production and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, for sure. Because for us, it's like, especially in the urban kids scene, um, we have so many talented DJs. We have Savannah Lima, we have DJ Nice, like Morena Soul. We have so many awesome DJs and they all live here. Mm-hmm. So they are also at our local uh, socials. So when I go to my social on Monday, uh, my favorite social, uh, one of those DJ, DJs is there to spin mm-hmm. the As I yeah. said... <laughs> I haven't heard Nice Life yet, but I've heard... Um, Stefania Lima and Morella Sol has been here a couple of times as well. And those guys are just amazing. So you're definitely yeah. spoiled. <laughs> I know. We have um, Trey Beats. I don't know if you know him. Yes, yes. The producer. Yeah, exactly. He's actually the, um, the organizer and founder of the Best Social in Amsterdam. Mm. Monday. So for the people who are here um, during the weekends to dance or to go to festivals, we always have like the after social is um, in Amsterdam. It's called Meetup, Kiss Meetup. And that's just for us. Every Monday we have that festival feeling because all the amazing taxis, teachers, everyone is there. You know, it's such a real nice community. Yeah. I'm happy with it. Yeah. Awesome. So that was a good way to to start off the podcast. Um, So for the people who are listening to the podcast who may not have heard about you already, um, can you let us know what your dance life looked like before Corona? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, before Corona. Um, Yeah. Um, What do you want to know? Do you want to know my background in dancing or when I started Kizomba? Uh, just like a snapshot of today, like before Corona, before we get it too far in the history. Yeah. Um, so before Corona, I kind of came to a point that I was traveling every weekend to teach in several countries. Um, I mainly teach lady styling. I kind of developed my own style and apparently people like it. So mm-hmm. I... Um, yeah, I was very busy with that, but I also have my own business just during the weeks uh, in my city. I have my own fashion store. So I'm here just during the weekdays and on weekends I was traveling to festivals. Mm-hmm. It became a little bit too much for me at one point. <laughs> yeah, 
like I, I love to dance, like seriously love to dance. So I say yes to pretty much everything. If I feel like, oh yes, that's a good one. I want to go there. Yes, of course I will be there. And I have a tendency to not be able to say no <laughs> or take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I noticed that I started to get sick more often and then corona came so for me that was like okay i need a break and now this is happening so maybe it's a sign from the universe to slow down Mm -hmm, for all of us yes exactly but i didn't expect this to be like such a real and big thing i don't know in the beginning everyone thought it was like the flu you know but when it got serious, I was like, oh, wow, this is really the time to reflect on things you might want to change in your life. Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot of time to do that. And at the moment, I'm still um, still busy with my uh, lady styling classes. Now I'm doing them online. Mm-hmm. Also super cool because for me... Teaching actually became a thing just one year ago. And I didn't see myself as a teacher at all. And I didn't expect myself to become one. So for me, it was hard to explain the things that I'm doing to someone else. So now with the online classes, I can watch myself back and see what it is actually that I'm saying and what I'm teaching. So it's a very good practice to... Uh, become a better teacher and to have good content for my classes and just to find out what my students actually like. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, a lot of dancers, pretty much all the dancers have had to transition to online lessons and that definitely brings new challenges of being able to transmit your information and your technique, uh, setting up the camera and your audio and lighting and all that kind of stuff. And then being able to get feedback, but in comments, it's not like somebody physically like raising their hand to ask a question and things like that. And that's a good aspect that I didn't hear about before. You can go back and watch your classes and how to improve. Because if you teach a class in real time, of of course you could record yourself, but that's usually not the case. Um, But yeah, that's, it's a lot, it's a different kind of shift in the way that we teach now. Yeah, for sure. So for me, it was very interesting indeed, as you say, like the technical part with the lighting, the cameras, because I was such a, still am, such a technical noob. I have absolutely no idea of what what is good, what should I use. So I'm happy that I can ask you those questions. Because you, <laughs> so they've helped me a lot. Um, but to be able to see myself on my TV screen and take my own class is something that is so helpful. It really, I don't know. I think it will help me in my uh, classes when I'm able to teach life in my festival life again. For sure. Definitely. I think it will only become better. For sure. Um, awesome. So now let's go ahead and go back in time and talk about when you were first introduced to dance. Uh, How old were you then? What kind of dance styles did you dance and stuff like that? Okay. Um, Yeah. When I first started 
dancing, I was around six years old, I think. Um, my parents asked me what I wanted to do as a sport. And I was always already like, I love the music because I come from a, a household where music is just something that we are born with. Was it a particular type of music? No, it's just like whatever was going on uh, and was hip at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. So like the top 40s of that time period, yeah? Exactly. It's like all kinds of different types of music. So for me, it's so, so nice because that is actually where I started developing musicality of my own without being actually aware of it because I started with it so young. But I never played an instrument or something. So I don't really have the understanding of the buildup. Mm-hmm. But because I got, got used to it so early in my life, it's just something that is inside, I guess. Um, so they figured out that I wanted to dance. Uh, but as a six-year-old, there's not really much that you can do as a dancer. So they put me on ballet class mm-hmm. for just not really to be very technical, but more to uh, be in contact with other kids, to play, uh, to dance, to uh, learn how your your body works and how you have the best posture and that kind of things. So that was actually the start of how I started to understand how my body works. And I still remember a lot of things actually, because it was a few years that I was active and I learned so much from it. Like, I'm so grateful that my parents put me on ballet because it's so such a good, um, I don't know, foundation for yeah, your... Yeah, it is a very good foundation. Yeah, exactly. So if I am ever blessed enough to get kids of my own, I I... I hope they want to take ballet classes as well because it has been so good for me in my own life. Like also in the daily things just for my, um, well, actually every skill that you have where you need to have the control of your own body, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stopped after I don't really know. I think I was 10 years old when I stopped, maybe a little bit gotcha. early. So about four or five years. Yeah, something. But that was not because I wanted to. Um, they started to, to to get those, I don't know how you call them in English, but those shoes with the points, you know? Mm-hmm, the point shoes. Yes, exactly. Where you have to stand on your toes. <laughs> those shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I came into a class where they were necessary and they wanted to get into that, um, that type of ballet. Um, I couldn't handle those shoes because I had such weak ankles and because I was so young, uh, we didn't really know how that would be uh, developed in time. So basically they said to me like, sorry, Daniela, it's too, uh, dangerous for you to continue this because I couldn't control my ankles at that point. Mm. 
So I've struggled with weak ankles after that, like my whole life until I started KISS. Um, so I stopped dancing completely and I started horseback riding. So completely something else. Um, when I was 14, I got introduced with street dance because I really wanted to get back to dancing again because I did it in my room when I was living with my parents, but I felt like I want to do something with it again. Um, I did that for a few years. I had a fun time over there. I learned a lot. Um, also controlling the body, the, the muscles, becoming way more aware. And I stopped again. I don't know mm. why. It's like when you're a teenager, sometimes you, you like things and sometimes you don't. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I, I think I just lost interest after two or three years or something. And then I started to gain weight, like pre pretty much because I didn't do anything, any sports anymore for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then I came to a point like, okay, this is, this is enough. I need to, I need to be more active, but I do want to do it in a fun way. I don't want to go to fitness just because of losing weight. Mm -hmm. um, so I tried to search for dance classes in a very yeah, like Zumba way <laughs> just to, um, well, actively lose weight. Exactly. But Dance and do like aerobics and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I came to the gym that I'm still with now. I teach there now. And then I found the hip hop class that they were teaching as well, but it was mainly for kids. But at that age, I was at that point, I was, I think, 22. So I was the oldest one. And there I met my uh, dance partner, Monica. She mm. was a teacher, actually, <laughs> the teacher of the hip hop class. <laughs> And um, she's three years younger than me. So for her, it was kind of weird to teach me, someone that's older than her, how to dance. But for me, it was so normal because I was like, yeah, but that's just your job, right? Doesn't matter what my age is. I just want to learn. <laughs> so, yeah, we did that for several years. We went to workshops in Amsterdam together from all kinds of different um, teachers coming from, well, I don't know where they came from, but they were international um, urban dancers. Mm -hmm. So I've learned so much in that time. And that was like, um, what I loved the most was the urban female hip hop like sensual movements, but also firm, grounded and controlled. Mm -hmm. So you can like the things that I did before Kizomba, I think you can watch that back, see that back now in the way that I dance. Yeah, for sure. It makes a lot of sense because I'm like, ah, this is where her style is like coming out to yeah. be different for sure. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like a mix of the things that I've been doing before. Um, because I'm so used to solo dancing, um, for me, that comes more natural than, for 
for example, when I need to go into partner dance, mm. because then I have to roll again to someone else. <laughs> and that's quite hard. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was it. And then I, um, then the story of how I went into Kizomba actually came. So that was the history that I have with dance. Nice. So did you and Monica find out about Kizomba at the same time? Yeah, it was a funny, uh, funny story, actually. Mm -hmm. I have my popcorn. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We were um, at vacation, I guess, here in Holland. We have like these little islands. And we went to one of those islands for a weekend or a small week or something. And then um, her mom needed to pick us up. This was in 2017, I think. Yeah, something. And um, she, her mom needed to pick us up. Uh, but then she said like, okay, I can pick you guys up, but I'm on my way to go to a Latin party. She was dancing uh, Latin and we were not super aware of what that meant. But she said, if I need to pick you guys up, you need to come with me. And we were like, oh, we're so tired from this weekend. Fine. We're just going to sit on a chair and watch until you are done with your dancing. And then we're going to go home. So we came to that party. It was like, I think, 20 minutes from my home. It was a a salsa bachata kizomba party. So we only have mixed parties over here. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what what was. I just saw these people dance with each other, uh, salsa bachata kizomba, but I couldn't uh, distinguish the difference between them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard that the music. Um, so, in the beginning, I thought that everyone had their like solid dance partners and that they were dancing choreography mm. because that, and I knew coming from the hip hop scene because that is what what we did dance choreography. And we were just watching them like, okay, they just learned this at their class. Cool, it looks awesome. But then when the music stopped or trans transformed to the to the different song. Mm-hmm. Uh, they switch partners randomly <laughs> and ask someone from the side and they started to dance the same dance with someone else. But they still knew how, how to do it. So then we were like, huh? How does this work? I, I don't understand this. How does the other person know the choreography as well? <laughs> So then the mother of Monica, she explained to us, no, that's like leading and following. Mm -hmm. We had that meant. But it was interesting. So we started to uh, dance as well with people that we didn't really know, just basics. But we had so much fun. Like we were like, oh, this this is such a different way of dancing, but so much fun. And of of course, we danced super big because that was what we were used to. You can't imagine how that must uh, look like. I actually have a video of that. No one will ever see it, but... (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you for the video so we could put it in the show notes of this podcast. For sure not. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's me not. That's for my own entertainment. <laughs> but but um, then Kizomba came on and we uh, noticed that there was like a, a, such a big difference in the music type because we could... Um, I don't know. It was more familiar to us because we we danced to urban songs. Exactly. In the, and so we were like, but this kind of sounds like we what we are using in, in our classes. So that was very interesting. And then one couple, uh, because I think maybe two or three couples knew how to dance Kizoba. The rest was like sitting on the chairs and drinking their drinks and stuff mm-hmm. because it wasn't that big. Um, and then one couple came to the dance floor, a man and a, and a woman, they were married as well. And they were so beautiful when you, when you're watching them dance, it was like they did their wedding dance or something. Mm. So I immediately fell in love with this. And I, I, I was like bumping into Monica, like, I want to do this. I want to meet my future husband. And do- <laughs> <laughs> So that was actually my main goal in the beginning, <laughs> but the I truth al- comes out. <laughs> yeah, this, please don't don't hold this against. <laughs> but um, once I started classes, because I found out that they were giving classes near my hometown, I realized that I really had a fear of intimacy being that close to someone that i didn't know so therefore i was like okay i really want to learn this dance but it's too close because i don't know this person so i don't know how to fix this um and then i was looking at monica and i was like you know what I want to learn this dance, but I'm going to learn the men's steps and mm. you're going to the female steps so we can dance together. And then I don't have to dance with men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, I don't know why. It, maybe it was because I came from a very long relationship that it was just like, it was scary for some reason. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started off as a lead instead of a follower. And that was a very interesting process because we could train together. But once I started to go to socials, um, I needed to dance as a follower as well, which was very confusing for me because I needed to do everything mirrored. Yeah, for sure. And giving up the control, as I, as I said before, is still, is still a big issue every now and then. But it was a very interesting process to, to see how fast that went because after four months of going to parties and stuff, I, uh, we went to our first Kizomba festival. Like was, it was a full, a full Kizomba festival. In Amsterdam? Only Kizomba. Yeah. In Amsterdam. It was Amsterdam Kizomba festival. Nice. Um, 2017, 17 or 18, 17, I think it was like, um, at, the end of 2017. Yeah. And, um, 
I did every workshop on the schedule. I did every social. I did every party. I don't know how, but I was so dead afterwards. I have never felt that bad, but also super satisfied because I learned so much in one weekend. And then at the last uh, night party, one of the teachers asked me uh, if I was teaching at that festival. And I was like looking behind me like, to who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he said, no, 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 I'm talking to you. And I was like, no, this is my first festival as a participant. And he was like, do you want to assist me tomorrow in my class, on the Sunday class? <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, of course. I thought he was joking. So... He got my Facebook uh, page and then he, he wrote me on Sunday, like, this is the time you need to be there and there. And I was like, wow, he's actually serious. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, I, I don't know. I don't think I have ever been that nervous for something, not even passing my driver's license. Mm. <laughs> I was so nervous, but it was such a good experience. I learned so much from just someone pushing me into that deep sea of so many different things all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Did I don't you get know. to know who this person was or it is a, is it Paris. a, is... Uh, Jesse Gabango from Paris. Uh, Congress. Okay. Nice. Nice. I've heard of him. Yeah, he's such a nice guy and such a good dancer. Like, I'm, I'm so blessed that we, we crossed paths and that it, that my journey started there because I never had the intention of teaching or assisting in this case. Mm. But um, yeah, then it actually started, and then I got to, the chance to learn from Ronnie. Um, and yeah, it went super fast after that. Yeah. Nice. That was it, actually. That was how I started. So, yeah. Uh, obviously, and I, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Sorry. Uh, I also, I started um, salsa and bachata as well. Like at the same time, I started Kizomba. But after four months or something, I decided to go into Kizomba fully. And, but the, the, the classes and the socials with bachata and salsa has helped me in my dance so mm-hmm. much so that's a good thing to do and i'm really looking forward to get back to that whenever this situation is going better again that's awesome so how long did it take from that point until you started teaching uh, on your own did you teach like the lead stuff in your city or did you teach lady styling first or like what was, tell us the story of like your first uh, teaching gig. My first teaching gig. Um, let me see. Let me think. How did it go? The, the first time, I think it was at the dance school where I, I learned the basics as well. Mm-hmm. As I told you, like we were having some um, dance classes and I started as a lead. I mm-hmm. think at one point I started to teach lady styling there with Monica. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that was my first class. And then we had some small, small workshops here and there. And then uh, Daniel Schauenberg from Germany, he saw some videos of mine because Monica and I were uh, posting 
um, lady styling videos every now and then. And he got, he came across my profile on Instagram and then he contacted me and he was like, I really like what you guys are doing. So I want to um, get you here to, to Germany for my uh, own party. And I would love to, uh, for you guys to make a workshop for the ladies. And then I would collaborate with him in his workshop. So for us, that was like the the big chance because that was our first international. Mm-hmm. So we were super excited. And that was, I think it was one year ago now, February, 2019. Wow. Nice. Yeah. It's such a, when I say like one year, that's so, it feels like it was like five years ago or something. So many things have happened in between. But, um, yeah, that was the first time we actually taught together and, and then we got some other international bookings. We got Turkey. That was one year ago. Now, exactly. That was this weekend actually. And so we got to travel, which was super, super awesome. But then she, um, she went back to school again and I started to do a lot of things on my own because Mm -hmm. They wanted to evolve in this and she as well. But um, yeah, her main focus should be school right now. She's three years younger than me. So she needs to take this time to actually go for something that she has something to fall back on, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I already did that um, many years ago. So yeah, therefore, I'm doing many things on my own now, but still doing uh, workshops together, still doing bookings together. We want to we wanna continue that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Like we have our brand Mixture Kids and we want to make it bigger by going separate, but also together and also with other people. So it, it can evolve and grow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So that's, that's amazing to hear that it happened so fast. Like your first international gig was just one year ago. And obviously you've been traveling to a lot of different festivals. And then um, you also announced for NeoKids, which would have been your first uh, time. You haven't been to the North America yet, yet or the U.S. No, I have never been to the U.S. So I was looking forward to this so mm. much. Like I, I bought all my bikini. and everything that was going to happen because I've never been to a pool party. So that would be like, I was looking forward to being in a nice and warm country Uh (laughs) to have like such a good festival and all the people that I've met here in Europe that come from the U S I was looking forward to see them. I was looking forward to finally meet you in real life. Mm -hmm. And it has to be postponed one year. Yes. So hopefully with the whole coronavirus thing, we'll be able to get everything going back again. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with the regulations around international travel. But at this point, we can only wait and see what that is going to entail, you know? So, yeah. Well, our government um, made aware now, I think yesterday that um, we are allowed to travel again. So we are allowed to go on holiday, but we just need to be very, very cautious and aware of the, um, the state that uh, that country is in at the moment. If it's like code orange or something, that mm-hmm. would mean that um, 
if there will be an outbreak, Holland will not, or the Netherlands will not get you back. That is something you have to figure out on your own. So mm. like a really big risk. And you also need to be in quarantine afterwards two weeks. Yeah. So, that's the crazy thing about it. Yeah. It's, it's like a big risk. So for the people who wants to travel, they can. Um, but I decided not to travel until, well, my first booking now will be in October in Sweden. So we'll have to see how that goes, but I don't know. To be determined. No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's good to, to see, um, and hear about your history as well. Um, last week, my podcast was with Sophie, and she also had some experience with street dancing and urban dancing. And she yeah. also started with SBK socials as well. And then she got attracted to Kizoma. So it's interesting to hear the, the similarities between both of your experiences. But obviously, yeah. you in the Netherlands, and she was in Paris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's so because I truly love what she does. Like, she's such an inspiration to so many people and to me. And yeah, I was looking forward to meet her finally because she oh, was yeah, I haven't met her yet either. I haven't met her, no, not yet. I got you. Nice. So yeah, to be determined, we'll see when we'll all be able to meet each other again and we'll hopefully it'll happen uh, in July, 2021. Yes, exactly. Okay. Fingers so crossed. yes, fingers crossed. So let's, let's roll up our sleeves a little bit now because you talked about your background and it makes so much sense now to see your style with the background in urban dance and, and things like that. And obviously your style of lady styling is stands out and from the classes that you've taught for lady styling and things like that, uh, let's talk about the technique uh, because there's so many things that you hear about like, okay, what are some of the things I should be practicing and training on and yeah. tips for lady styling and then heels versus flats and all this kind of stuff. But uh, let's start with, I guess, training. You mentioned that before you had weak ankles and obviously in urban kids, you need strong ankles. So can you share some of the tips around ankle strength and things like that, that you've used to improve your dance? Yeah, of course. So when I started kids, um, my weak ankles were my worst enemy because my partner was like telling me, okay, you have so many things fixed, but your balance is maybe like worse than average because I couldn't hold myself, especially not when I was dancing on heels and also not on flats. Mm. That was like such a struggle point. And it's like, I understand what you want me to do uh, when you're leaving me, but you need to hold me because if you <laughs> Uh, I cannot hold myself. I will drop down. <laughs> mm -hmm. So afterwards I was like, that is something I need to fix. I need to be able to hold myself. I need to be my own person and to fix the things that I'm lacking at this moment, which was my ankles. But because I haven't been practicing anything 
from my ankles until I started KISS, I didn't think that there was a good solution for it or that it would be better in, in the future. Um, but I was very determined to um, practice my balance. But what I wasn't aware of was that if I was better in my own balance, that my ankles became stronger as well, that it was a linked thing. Mm -hmm. So once I started to train my balance, um, my ankles were so much stronger. So in my daily life, this helps me as well because I could just tumble down when I was just walking the streets because I was lacking coordination. <laughs> mm, yeah, it makes sense. So I, um, what I started with um, was practicing on my toes because... Um, I needed to figure out where the balance points in my, in my foot were, was, and if I was dancing on my toes, I needed to be able to hold myself, even if I come from a leg lift or a spin. So I started to dance on my toes for, let's say one song and then checked like how many times did I drop down after a fast side I Top, uh, drop down on my heels and I was counting those uh, times until like one point I, I came to a full song and I didn't drop down once so I wanted to take that practice in my in my dancing and uh, with, with a partner so I practiced this the same exercise that I did I practiced that on the social with a partner and Whenever I came from a spin, I could actually hold myself because I was aware of where my balance was at that moment, where my weight transfers uh, should be at that point. And it, it became much more controlled for some reason. So like there are people for, especially when you come from uh, the background of Kizomba Semba, that you need to be very grounded and connected to the floor. Mm -hmm. But from my experience in urban cases is that you um, have to be light, um, more high, more fast, and to be able to stop when you come from uh, a fast movement. So now I, w I was training to be on my toes a lot, but now I also want to train how to not be on my toes all the time, just to be more connected to the floor. So I'm switching a little bit, but in the beginning, um, those exercises being on my toes and trying to make my steps smaller because I have long legs. <laughs> so steps were quite big, which caused me to be laid a lot when I was dancing with a partner. I was always a little second too laid with a stop or um, too late in my response when he wants to go faster. Um, so I practiced with this fitness band, which, mm -hmm. which would keep my legs together. And if you practice that with in, in combination with dancing on your toes, it is just one of the most essential balance practices that I've, I've found. 
So that for me would be like, if you want to practice your balance, that is something very essential to become aware uh, where your balance is. Is it more to the front? Is it more to the back? What is your posture? Is it up straight? Is it leaning to the front? Or is it on like when you're really on your heels? Because when you're, when you have the tendency to be on your heels more, in my experience, it means that you're most of the time a little bit too slow. Mm-hmm. Either leading a little bit to the front, searching chest connection, um, or being more in frame, up straight, helps me to be more fast. And that is something you can see in my lady styling, for example, as well. I'm very straight. I sometimes I don't even touch the ground, even not when I'm wearing my heels. I'm still walking on on my toes all the time. So yeah, that is kind of how I, how I train my weak ankles by making them stronger to stand on my toes. Yeah. I think a lot of followers can relate to that to improve. Uh, I know it's something like, like you mentioned before, urban kids are so fast paced and there's a lot of syncopations and sometimes there's a syncopated spin. Sometimes it's a traveling spin. Sometimes it's a leg lift that's syncopated and, There's just so many things that you have to kind of be ready for and having the strength to be able to handle and and carry your weights to stop yourself and things like that. I think it's it's super helpful. Yeah, exactly. So that is something that I trained a lot on. And every time I danced, even if it was on my own or it was at a social, I tried to keep in mind two or three things that I wanted to work on that time. So it it was either um, being aware of how big my movements were or how fast I would move if I would be in time or it was my arm styling or my own balance. I tried to pick out a few things that I wanted to pay attention to. And once I was able to check them, I could move on to a next subject. So that is kind of how I taught myself how to, yeah, dance in a way that would be nice for myself and for my partner, because I come from solo dancing. So when I just started, I was used to doing what I love to do, not really listening to my partner, but the more time I, I um, gave myself, the more I went to the following part and then figuring, figuring out how I can um, incorporate my own style into the partner dance without kind of disturbing the lead. That will happen, of course, because you, you need to make mistakes. Um, but that's such a good practice. And if you want to challenge yourself in improving then i would suggest like film film yourself film yourself while dancing your solo uh, expression but also film yourself while dancing with a partner because these things are so can can be so different you can feel like okay i have my body movements under control but if you see them on video it can be something completely different so that is kind of how I started evolving. Once I could see myself on videos, I could like, I wanted to um, give myself credit for a few things that I found positive from the video, 
but also afterwards the two or three things that I wanted to improve later on. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can really see the big differences in my videos. For sure. I like yeah. what you were saying in regards to the mental capacity. And I feel like that's something that like we understand, but then I feel like if you can set up like little mini challenges for yourself and test to see like, what are you able to be and maintain awareness on and like mentally check off like, okay, I'm going to focus on maybe my shoulders or maybe my head or maybe my hips or something like that. And even when you're practicing by yourself, being able to expand your mental capacity is going to be so crucial because you have to be aware of yourself and your balance and your toes and where's the weight on your foot and all that kind of stuff. You have to be aware through all the signals and directions and points of contact with your partner, which can change in a split second. And then you also have to interpret the music. Yeah. And predict when certain hits and lyrics and things like that are going to change as well. So juggling all of those three things all at the same time, can be really tough. So if you take the time to like do little bite-sized things to be aware of by yourself, I think that I'm just make it that much easier uh, to encompass the whole dance when you're in a partner dance situation, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You have to think about so many things. It's just like, Whenever, whenever I hear I hear the sentence being called out in the class, followers just need to follow. That's like I, the hairs on my arm is going up straight. It's like mm-hmm. oh how how much many things we need to do and be aware of to just follow. Exactly. It's like it's not something that is okay. Now you just have to follow. That's it. It doesn't work like that. It does it not. Takes, as you say, you need to be aware of so many things and still listen to the music and to your partner and make a connection. Yeah, it, it takes time, but it's such a fun um, journey. Mm-hmm. It's so it, like every dance for me is like a new experience to challenge myself and to become the, the dancer I want to be. And therefore, I would say like... Um, try to learn other styles as well because of the backgrounds that I have. It's so much more easy to create my own style and to express myself also when I'm dancing with partner, but also when I'm dancing on my own. If you only do Kizomba, for example, you miss out on so many things. So yeah, that's like one tip that I could give everyone either if it's leader or follower um both just go and explore your own you know mm-hmm. it's you about you because you're there to have fun and yeah i think that would enhance the fun definitely actually. awesome that's a beautiful answer thank you for sharing those tips and experience and uh advocating that follows just don't follow And it's just so much to go into it. And the more followers are able to speak up in classes and things like that to share these tips, then we just create more capable followers who are able to really have a high level of technique and connection and musicality. And then everybody's just having that much more fun on the dance floor, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. Because I really see this dance as a conversation. It's just, it goes back and forth. And I love like the leaders in the US, for example, they're so open-minded, a lot of them for actually having a conversation with their follower. It's not that you have a lead and a follower. No, you can switch. You can, um, you can talk, you can give impulses. It's not that you have to be afraid of, oh, what, what does my lead might think if I want to um, incorporate my own mm-hmm. style a little bit or I music that I want to catch. Oh, I'm scared of how he will react. And I truly hope that here in Europe, that mindset will come through a little bit more. We have some leaders who are very open for it, but not everyone, unfortunately. Mm. And I think, so the mindset is also affected from the society uh, that they come from, you know, and that definitely affects the dance world as well. And here in the U.S., you know, like gay rights are a thing and females speaking up and owning businesses and all these kind of things like the gender norms are definitely shifting in the past yeah. five, 10 years easily. And maybe those shifts and those trends are going to change and start to affect other ones. So now it's not so heteronormative or gender driven. Um, I was talking about that in another podcast uh, where we're discussing women in Kizomba and like even the fact that like when you take a look at the, um, it's a men's Saida or a woman's Saida and now changing the language to be a lead Saida or a follow Saida. So it's not attached to a gender, just whoever the person is at that time. It could be a guy following, a guy leading, a, a female following, a female leading. It's just, this is the technique because we all have arms and legs and feet. So that's, those are the only requirements. It doesn't really matter about your gender, you know? No, exactly. No, and I love that. And I feel I feel a big change is already happening. And in the beginning when I just started, because I started off as a lead, I had a lot of, of, of comments and people wanted to break us up. Like, mm. no, not, you should not lead as a female. You just should follow and like with the intention like look at all the men but that's not the case because there is always two less men and two feet exactly Mm -hmm. for me it was like yeah but this is my opportunity to choose whenever i want to dance was it only the men that told you that you shouldn't lead or did you hear from women or it was mainly men that actually were actively trying to break us up. Mm-hmm. I had times just in the midst of a dance that they were like, don't, don't go for this. Um, but women didn't really say anything about it, but sometimes you could feel it from their energy. Mm. Like, what are you trying to do? You know, it's not, it wasn't that accepted, but now I haven't noticed that for, I think, one year. Since I started teaching, (laughs) that kind of changed for some Mm -hmm. reason. Maybe because I was very comfortable with it myself. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was just like, this is my my time to have fun and to relax. Um, Coming from a busy work day, I just need to dance. I just need to express i just need to feel the music with my partner and it doesn't matter if it's male female lead follower it's just it's just there mm-hmm. 
Definitely. Yeah, it's interesting to see uh, men who actively go out of their ways to kind of like stop it from happening. And then I've also heard stories from women who I don't want to I don't want a female lead. I want a man lead because maybe they're looking for their husband or something <laughs> like that. But um, you bring up a very good point, like when you're at the social or a festival and there's so many leads and there's not, there's more follows that are standing and waiting the fastest solution is for them to dance amongst themselves, you know? Yeah, for sure. So for me, that's like one of the biggest tips that I can give when I'm teaching my classes and also like be aware of how you are presenting yourself when you're not dancing. For me, when I'm not dancing, it's a choice when I want to sit down. It's not that I'm sitting down just because there is no one to dance with. No, because I can choose for myself when I want to dance. And if I don't want to lead at that moment, I'm working on my lady styling besides the dance floor because I love the music. So I feel that my body wants to do something with it. And the chance that there will be a lead who is watching and will um, grab you or not grab, but will get guide you to the dance floor after that song is so much bigger than when you're sitting down on a chair in a corner just looking mad because you're not dancing. So most of the times when I'm giving those examples and, and actually making it visible, the girls will be like, yes, of course, it's our own choice. So I feel that there is a big change happening, but we'll see how it goes after Corona. I think we have to start in our basic uh, beginners classes, all of, all of us together. <laughs> yeah, definitely. To shake off the rust. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I don't know how to follow anymore because I'm too much practicing my lady styling on my own. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Danielle, for all of your experience and your tips and your suggestions and things like that to help our listeners improve their kids and then like just sharing your journey so people can have an idea and kind of derive some inspiration from that as well. So... For the next, uh, I guess the last part here of the podcast, I want to kind of give you the platform to talk about any future projects that you have coming up of how people can follow you and then an inspirational quote or piece of advice to close out the podcast. Super. Um, my future projects. Uh, or current projects. Current projects, indeed. Um, I kind of opened my YouTube channel um, when Corona started and I'm trying to create content to give short classes online for the people who wants to learn something in these times. Um, so I'm busy recording new classes and there are some classes already online there. And in my latest post on my Instagram, I asked um, which subject, subjects people would love to learn about. And a few of them gave me good ideas to make like this short course. So there might be coming a lady styling course. Nice. I don't know to go for that, but I would say stay tuned for that. And um, in the meantime, I will still be posting uh, short sequences, um, choreos for beginner, advanced, uh, intermediate. 
and some technical um, exercises. So if you want to check it out, you can... I try to search myself on YouTube, <laughs> but there are many people who are called Danielle de Jong mm. in Holland. So it's not an easy account to find. So if you go to my Instagram, which is Danielle.de Jong, you can go to the link that I have posted in my um, bio biography. And uh, if you click on that, you will go to my last video that I posted in my YouTube channel. Um, and on Facebook, I will have the same name, I guess. Yeah, yes. Daniela Dion. And I have my page, Daniela Dion uh, Mixture Kiss. So I have two separate. I have my personal page and I have my uh, teaching professional page. But most of the time now, I just combine these two and... So you can pick either one. It, it's not that one is more important than the other one. I got you. And I'll include the links of those platforms in the show notes. So if you just go to the show notes of this podcast, you'll see all of your links. So they'll be able to find them directly. Yeah, super. So there I will post my uh, latest styling practices and uh, probably the course as well. Um, and for the rest, when Corona is over, I will be at several festivals. I have some bookings for 2021. Um, I'm not going to post them yet because we don't know how it will evolve. Exactly. But when we know more, I will put them online too. And... My project for myself at the at the moment is just going back to fundamentals, basics, kizomba and semba probably as well. I'm very looking forward to go deeper into those um, those styles because I'm mainly urban kiss. So I want to be a more versatile dancer. So mm -hmm. I would everyone else also just to go and explore others, other dance styles. Awesome. And do you have a piece of inspiration for us to close out the podcast? Yes, I have my, uh, it's not really a quote, but it's just, it's, it, I made it longer. <laughs> um, your limitation is your own imagination because great things never come from comfort zones. And for me, that was one of the biggest things that I have kept in mind for several years now because I was so caught up in my own comfort zone that I couldn't see past that. But once I did, um, especially when I wanted to lose weight and stuff, I was super insecure about my body, about how, how to express because I couldn't really express in words when I was younger. So dance helped me a lot with that once I started to come out of my comfort zone. And um, to go back to that, um, I also have like, we need to feel the discomfort in order to change for the better, which is something that resonates with the situation going on in the world at the moment as well. We need to make ourselves more aware and really put ourselves through the discomfort to continue the journey to become better. Better people, better dancers, better human beings all together. Beautiful. 
All right, Danielle. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you for so our sharing your history and your experiences. I think this would be an awesome podcast for people to check out online. And if anybody wants to reach out to Danielle, just go to the show notes on this page so you can find her and follow her on her social media platforms. And we will see you guys in the next episodes. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me and see you soon, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. Oh, mama, no, man, I keep it, I keep it.